0: Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative podcast, an ongoing conversation with ministry leaders about embracing complexity and uncertainty with joy and faithfulness. Friends, this is Adam Borneman with the Ministry Collaborative, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, have finally found some time to get together uh, with three really wonderfully insightful And encouraging colleagues, Bianca Howard, Brittany Porch, and Kyle Bender. These three have been uh, working with us on a number of things the last year, especially focused in the area of ministry to youth and families. And you can imagine the many ways that that is evolving and changing in all sorts of ways we can't fully appreciate yet. So we're so grateful to Kyle, Brittany, and Bianca for agreeing to co-facilitate a cohort around ministry, youth, and families that will start in just a few months. For those interested, please feel free to reach out to any of our staff for more information. Thank you all for being here.
1: Thanks, Adam. Thank you.
2: Glad to be here.
0: Love to hear from each of you just a little bit about your ministry context and how you got there, your faith tradition that has brought you to this place.
2: Yeah.
1: So I work at Bradstreet Presbyterian Church in downtown Columbus, Ohio. If you ask anyone why they go to our church, it's because of the social justice mission, good preaching, kind of high church forward thinking values. It's a majority white congregation, though we do have some diversity. And our kids come from 13 different school districts. So it's an interesting group. We have probably 20 kids involved here and there. We're not a big programmatic church, but we offer a space for kids who feel like they're on the outside a lot and this is a place they belong.
2: Yeah. And I'm in Austin, Texas, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist associate. The associate part lets you know that I have recently transitioned to being a therapist. And before that, I was working in church ministry for around 20 years, working with children and youth, working on senior staff. The last deal was 12 years at a church here in Austin as the director of family ministry. And so definitely love staying engaged with the church and especially with this conversation. It's near and dear to my heart, but I'm now working with families and young people in a different context as a therapist, but loving it all the same and love this conversation in particular.
3: I'm uh, here in the Atlanta area, just left a position after uh, serving for 16 years in the same congregation, a Baptist church, historically black Baptist church in Marietta. Kind of an interesting story. I That is my home church. I came from that church. I was a youth at that church and then went off to school. And then I took the youth pastor who was my youth pastor, I took her position 16, 17 years ago and served the congregation until now and just stepped away at the end of this past year of 2022. And now I'm working outside of the church um, where I will be supporting those in the trenches in youth ministry um, and wanting to continue to support youth workers and share a little bit about what I gained over the years. So currently I serve at Orange as a Director of Parent and Family Initiatives and Resources, and I'll also be working on a task force to broaden the diversity at Orange with their Black church partnerships.
0: Well, Orange is incredibly blessed to have you, so congratulations to them. Thank
3: you. Thank you.
0: I want to just start with a 30,000-foot question based on just my own experience, and I was very fortunate to have been, gosh, 25, 30 years ago in a pretty conventional youth ministry context in North Suburban Atlanta that, that in a lot of ways worked pretty well in some ways. There were some things about it that I still am drawing from. And there are other parts of it that I see now as, well, you know, that probably wasn't very important and that didn't have any staying power and I probably wouldn't do it that way again. And as I've thought about that, I thought I would start by asking you all What have you seen, not just what have you seen change over the past couple of decades of youth ministry, which we couldn't write enough volumes to cover that, but what are the things that you've seen people hold on to that have been really important over the past decades of youth ministry? Thinking about your own experience, what do you still hold on to from that time in your life if you experience that, and what do people need to know about what still works?
2: The first thing that comes to mind is what still works is relationships, people who like teenagers, teenagers gathering, the Holy Spirit, and some combination of all that where God shows up and works. And I think about my own story, certainly a huge part of it is people who met me relationally, youth pastors, youth interns who came through our church, pick us up on school on a Friday afternoon and just hang out with us. And what I remember most, I remember programs, I remember events, those kinds of things. But what I remember most is I remember what it felt like to be in their presence, like, oh, they genuinely care for me. And then to also be able to explore the mysteries of faith with them in very real and authentic ways. So, yeah, just at the end of the day, I think relationships and showing up in that way still matter.
3: Kyle, I was going to, I agree with you on that as well. I'm going to jump on kind of the program bandwagon and relationships. I think you right, are the foundation, but just... We try to be so inventive right now and innovative, but just the basic programs of VBS and a gathering of Bible study or even Sunday school, which is kind of all over the place right now, you know, small groups are kind of the thing. And so I think just those programs, those old school basic programs are still very relevant right now. And I think they integrate with relationship when you're interacting with kids. We remember those events, but we also remember maybe, oh, I remember that teacher. She told me something about myself that really helped my self-esteem. You know, those gatherings that will create those friendships and relationships as well. So definitely just the old school programming, I think still works too.
1: Well, I think about how intergenerational ministry has sort of taken off as a buzzword in faith formation. And I agree, like there's so much value in intergenerational relationships, but middle school youth and that part of adolescence, it's all about friendships relationships other than parents and so I think about a safe space for youth to be with peers Um, and maybe not peers that just all go to the same school but peers that have like some variety where they can take off some of that performance mentality they have to have in other places and a safe place of belonging where they can build relationships with each other. And then we can think, who are the adults we want in these kids' lives Mm -hmm. and put them in? And so some of that is through age-old programming, like Bianca, you were saying. But some of it could be sitting on the side of someone's soccer game because they can't make it to church for three months and having those conversations there or in other ways. The other thing I think of, too, is food always feed these kids like i don't care if it's cheetos or vegan wraps food works and eating together is such a like biblical practice and i think it ties it all together as far as building relationships with each other caring adults and god
0: you know, one of the reasons i wanted to ask about the things that have really stuck with you is i find in my conversations with people who are so deeply engaged with ministry to youth families and children that There really isn't a consensus around, we don't do this anymore, now everybody does this, or we've stopped that and now we start this, or this part of youth ministry is over and now we've figured this out. That actually, it's a pretty messy combination of what's been sustained, what's been remodeled, what's been created anew. And it's fascinating to hear about that from your different contexts. So, I wonder if you all could comment on that a little bit, on my inference about that, about how messy and organic these things are and how you navigate it.
1: Yeah, we're throwing darts at a wall, right? Like trying to see what sticks. But it's more than that. It's not even what sticks long term. Like VBS was like forever, amen. I mean, obviously, it's actually only been around for 150 years, but like what sticks now just happens to change all the time. And I think of Gen Z, who are our current youth, they love change. And when they see something not working, they want it to change fast. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of it. So holding the core threads through it all, like relationships, listening, supporting our young people sharing God's love with them, how we do that, I don't think matters anymore. They're Mm -hmm. so busy and their lives are so full with great things. So how do we make those threads spread broadly? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And one of the quotes I think about a lot right now, I think this was said by the director of Google X, maybe even over a decade ago, we may be at a time where the world is changing faster than our ability to adapt to that change. Yeah. And you definitely feel that in youth ministry, where things are changing in such a way that it's like, how do we adjust to this? How do we adapt to this? One of the things I think about a lot is kind of like, what problem are we even solving right now? You know, it just seems like it's constantly changing. The target's moving, like Brittany said. We're throwing darts at a wall, and this seemed to stick a couple weeks ago, and and now it's only been two weeks, and it doesn't stick anymore. And so it does feel like there is this shifting ground. And a lot of folks are trying to figure out, like, where do I put my feet? What problem am I solving? What's going on? So, yeah, to me, it feels like this moving target of shifting while also holding on to some of the things we just shared, right? Some of the things that are anchor points for us. But in general, it feels like a lot of things are shifting and evolving.
0: Yeah, I think we see now that the Google X statement is an understatement now that things do move that fast. And one of the reasons it seems that youth ministry is so instructive for the rest of the church is that most of our congregations, most of our ministry contexts, we've awakened to the fact that we don't have the capacity to move quickly enough with the world around us. Just institutionally, we just don't have the ability to do that. It's almost like we spend six months to a year solving a problem, and by the time we get there, that problem is not the problem anymore. We just spend a lot of time working on answers that quickly become obsolete. And it seems like In my experience with folks who do what you all do, there seems to be an intuition around that, of working with kids who just get that already. And it's fascinating to hear you describe it. Bianca, you said in your context, there's still a lot of traditional structures that have some staying power. So how do you make sense of that in a world that moves so fast? Is it the content? Is it the leadership? What about that sticks?
3: Well, a couple of things. I'm just going to talk a little bit about the black church context where I feel like we are a little bit behind the you know mainstream white congregations when it comes to youth ministry. We're, I think I read somewhere we're about 10 years behind. I was sharing somewhere about we're just starting small groups. That is something that's been going on. I think just because we kind of move the way we move, you just kind of move in your community or you move in your little bubble and don't really know what else is happening. And so if it's working, it's working and you just kind of stay there because it is working. However, we have tried to throw out some new innovative ways to do things. And if it doesn't work, then we just go back to the drawing board. But I think just because (laughs) this is all we know, that's what we do. We just stay with it because it's still drawing kids. Mm.
1: Well, Bianca, I think about my superpower. I can change an entire program and like make it all innovative, but if I keep the same name the older adults don't push back. Mm. So if I just call it youth group, that we're all going yeah, exactly. to the soccer field or call it VBS, but we're actually now exploring all social justice issues, like things <laughs> that young families care about. It's a little bit of some of this. When I find in youth ministry, it's the uh, older adults push back more than the youth themselves. Absolutely.
3: And I think like you said youth are flexible, uh, especially this new generation, they are very flexible, but I think they also like some stability too, so it's just finding that balance for both.
2: Part of what goes on in some of these programs and things like that is quote um, I come back to is the medium is the message. And if the medium is love and relationships and connection and belonging, I imagine a lot of different models could work. Mm-hmm. I certainly know from my context and the shifting sands that I was seeing was when the programs or the other elements were about energy or numbers or flash or certain things like that, then that doesn't have the staying power. So Brittany, I love your idea of just change the content, but keep the name so no one even knows what's going on.
1: It's all about convincing people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think, too, it reminds me of an important distinction of organizational form and organizational function, that one of the real difficulties we have in the life of the church more broadly is that we've put so much weight on the form, and we feel like that really gives us an identity and a purpose, and it kind of tells us who we are. But we're probably living in a time where we need to shift a lot more weight to the function so that who we are actually has a lot more to do with what we're doing, how we're belonging to one another, how we're relating. I'm with Kyle and Bianca, Brittany. I love the way you talk about, you know, just keep the name and just function differently. Don't fight the battles. You don't have to fight. I think that's a good word.
2: Yeah. Well, people love structures, right? Structures are comforting mm-hmm. and in a world that is constantly changing, it's nice to have some anchor points of structure. Like I know what this is. I know what to expect. That's really helpful in a world that's always shifting
3: I think that's what's been helpful, I think, during the pandemic, just the stability of the basic programming or the basic relationships, just checking in with youth or checking in with a parent or, hey, we're going to try VBS. That's something familiar, but doing it a different way. But just that stability, like you said, Kyle, brings people um, security and their desire to continue to participate.
0: This is a really helpful way of thinking about the big picture of youth ministry, a massively broad brushstroke of the last 20 years of thinking about these things. And we have a lot more to talk about. And so we'll look forward to, to having more of these conversations. One final thought from each of you about this conversation or preview of future conversations we'll share together.
2: Yeah, I think just noting the complexity and the challenge of the moment. Complicated things are things that a couple of good people can get in a room and solve. Complex things are things that... You know, you start to pull on one string and you realize it's connected to a whole bunch of others. And then you go, okay, now how do we solve that or do this? And so this feels like one of those moments for me in youth ministry. We want to keep the structures, but institutional trust is at a low. We want to experiment and we need to experiment because things are changing. And just kind of figuring all that can be really disorienting and exciting and a lot of other different emotions.
1: Well, it makes me think you got to get to know who Gen Z is. And a big part of who this generation is, is released in a recent CDC report about four in 10 kids feeling sad or hopeless. And I think that frames a lot of what ministry looks like for our kids
3: next. And how do we address that truth of who our youth are? I would say in the midst of the change, to go back to the basics of what we read and what we believe and knowing that it will all work together and assuring families, assuring kids that you're going to be okay in this moment. And we're going to make sure and do what we can to help you be okay in the shift, remembering what God tells us about change.
0: Thank you all so much. I look forward to continuing the conversation and getting to more of these specific topics that are so pressing for so many of us.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks for the invitation to the conversation. Yeah, thanks,
2: Adam.
3: Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative podcast,
2: a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation.
0: The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their
3: communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website
0: at
2: www.ministrycollaborative.org.